Hi, and welcome to the new Selling of Sales podcast. I'm your host, Marty Holmes. Our goal is to showcase many of the great talents found in professional sales and sales education. We're all dedicated to changing the way the world sees sales and determined to raise awareness of this wonderful career. Join us as we chat with a variety of people with interesting stories who are helping SEF to elevate the sales profession. So my guest today is Brian Flanagan. Brian began his career as a delivery boy for IBM in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He invested the next 14 years with IBM as a salesman, a people manager, and a sales instructor at IBM's National Training Center. In 1984, Brian joined the Zig Ziglar Corporation. We all know that name. Then in 2005, Brian founded Flanagan Training Group. He's authored numerous training programs and sales books. His latest book and CD set is titled, So, You're New to Sales. One of his most requested training programs is Effective Business Presentation Skills. We're going to talk a little bit about skills today. Brian is a proud graduate of Louisiana State. LSU Go Tigers. Brian understands the corporate marketplace and what it takes to achieve success in today's competitive environment. So today, Brian and I are going to chat a little bit about achieving success in sales. And welcome, Brian. Thank you for having me. You look forward to it. Oh, yeah, this is great. We really appreciate you helping us contribute to the overall betterment of the sales profession. You know, one thing I really like about what you guys do, you're raising the next generation of sales professionals. Mm-hmm. And I think that we sell our way out of difficulties in the economy. I don't think we legislate our way out. So good for you. Keep fighting a good fight. Yes, sir. We, we uh, are doing our best and, and uh, helping the professors who are in the trenches, as they say, with the students. And that we, we hope that through uh, proper education, uh, the next generation of salespeople will help it help elevate the overall perception of sales. Our, our website says changing the way the world sees sales. And we think that's really important. So um, we were talking about advice. Let's start out with some of your best advice for people who are new to sales. Well, if you can't talk them out of it, (laughs) then they need to pursue the sales profession as any professional pursues his or her profession. And that is, you've got to be, you got to be vested Mm -hmm. and being vested means you got to invest in yourself. So one of the things I would say to to new salespeople, and in fact, I wrote a book on it called, so you're new to sales, find a process that works for you. It's got to be client facing. Mm -hmm. It's got to be about the client, the prospect, the customer. But one of the biggest mistakes I made, Marty, was that early in my sales career, I thought selling was a personality and I was miserable. Now, what I learned, I I synopsize in two sentences. So the first one is just because you had the ability to carry a tune does not mean you had the ability to sing. And just because you had the ability to talk, does not mean you had the ability to sell. I would suggest for a new salesperson or even a person who's been in the business a while, if you don't have a process, get one. 
Mm-hmm. It's got to be a process that focuses on the other person. And in simplest form, as you know, it's a communication process. Mm-hmm. It's very simply a communication process. I ask and listen. So that's a that that's the first piece of advice I, I would give to new salespeople. I like that ask and listen. You know, uh, listening skills. The that's one of the quote unquote soft skills that are required and uh, communication skills. Uh, I think it's really important for people to understand not only to ask good questions, but to listen to the answers. It's amazing. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, Marty, my wife for 51 years says I'm not a very good communicator because I don't listen very well. I, th- I think that's what she said, but that's one of the lost starts. That's one of the hidden arts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We do need to be tuned in so that when we can respond to an answer, we respond correctly. Right, right. That's very important. Yeah. And then it makes the person that you're talking to, the client, for example, it makes them feel like you care about what they're saying. Yes. And, you're, and you're not there just to, to push, push, push through to the next question. Amen. And that's really the, one of the second skills we teach or pieces of advice, learn to be a good questioner. Mm-hmm. There, there are two things that to me have to go on in questioning. Number one, it's got to be high gain. And number two, it has to have, have high impact. And a high gain is really selfish for the sales professional. I want to ask you questions that I gain information. Yet parallel to that is asking questions that has a positive impact on the customer. For example, if you've done your research, the questions will be centered on his or her concerns, and that will impact them and, and maybe even influence them to say, this person has done their research. They're asking questions that pertain to me. They're not talking about, unfortunately, sports, NASCAR, the economy, the world. They're talking about my interest. So high gain and high impact questions are, is, is also one of the advices one of the advices I'd give to new salespeople. Interesting. Yes, yes. So um, those probably transfer right over to the more seasoned or experienced professional. Um, you have any extra points for them? In, in a way, I do. I, I'm going to give you two okay. because I find with with veteran salespeople, and I've, I've <laughs> I've worked with a lot of salespeople over the years. And once you get to a certain level, oftentimes there's a couple of things that happen. Number one, you, you, get, a, you get immune to things that you used to do. Oh. That, leads, that leads to a plateau or a sales slump. So I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you two reasons why people get into a sales slump and two ways to get out of the sales slump. And this, to me, this is important to the veteran salespeople, because I think sometimes we lose our way. It's kind of like the common cold. It takes two weeks, nothing to do about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I equate that to baseball where baseball players get into hitting slumps. Mm-hmm. Well, there is something they can do about it. And here are the two things that I suggest. Number one, we get into a selling slump because we've lost our basics. We stopped doing the foundational skills that we learned to do earlier in our career. We stopped doing what brought us to the dance. And one of the things that I believe is so true with record keeping, record keeping doesn't matter if you're 150% a quota, who cares? (laughs) But if you're 50% a quota, Mm -hmm. what were you doing? What activities, what behaviors were you exhibiting when you're at 150% a quota? Well, that's why you want to take 
notes and mm-hmm. kind of chart your career, kind of chart your, your activities because you go back to repeat those behaviors. So the first reason we get in a sales slump was we lost the basics. Mm-hmm. To get out of that is return to the basics. Remind yourself what got you to the, to the pinnacle that you were at one time. The second reason is a little harder. Second reason, we've lost our passion. Oh, yes. We, we lost the why behind our why. And I'd much rather deal with a skill issue, losing the basics or not using all of your skills, than I would with an attitudinal issue. Yeah. It's harder to pick up a brain than it is a full-grown person because the attitude yeah. is so important with your skills. Yeah. So return to your basics and find out, rekindle that passion. Why do you do what you do? Call a satisfied customer. Have them remind you of why you're valuable. That's a great idea. That's a great idea because sometimes people do lose their passion. And it's, I think it, that might be especially true right now with, uh, with what everybody's dealing with. Uh, you know, some folks are, are handling the change in the world better than others. Um, so finding and rekindling the passion that you once had. Uh, a wise friend of mine once said, uh, you better find something that you like to do because you're going to be doing it a long time and, and you might as well do it well so you can enjoy it. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That, wow. That's, that's really important. Um, so losing the basics, let's go back and talk about that for just a minute. We're talking about basic skills or, Mm -hmm. uh, okay. All right. Let's go into sharing uh, some of the critical skills that are successful. And this would be for everybody, whether you're a new guy or a new woman to sales or whether you're a sales leader. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about skills for a few minutes. When I do, when I do sales workshops, oftentimes I'll, I'll open the sales workshop, hopefully with a little bit of humor by saying, by show of hands, how many of you are here this morning? And people will actually raise their hands. But what I'm trying to do is tie down the fact that when you raised your hand or when you sat in the workshop, by raising your hand or being present, you've just confirmed the second law of sales success. The second law of sales success is very basic. Show up, show up on time, and show up dressed to play. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. If you show up, show up on time and show up dressed to play, that says you're available. You need to be available to your customers, your coworkers, the people that surround you. I love selling because it's an individual sport. But Marty, we both know you've never been successful in a vacuum. Right. You you ran a company at one time. You had people around you. You may have been the owner and the entrepreneur, but you had people that helped support you. Mm -hmm. So by being available to them, available to your customers, you're ahead of the game. But primarily what we want, and I think what your foundation does, you need to be available to yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to invest more in your career. You you need to invest more in yourself than you do in your career. Mm -hmm. And that's a basic I think we've gotten away from because I grew up on cassette tapes. Okay, for you young people in the audience, before we had these little round things or we had this all this downloadable stuff, we had these little plastic things that, well, I listened to, to cassette tapes. I read books. And I think we've gotten away from that. But we need to be available to ourselves 
in investing in ourselves. That's, that's something that I've seen over the years dwindle greatly. I'd have to agree with that. Yes. Um, the It's funny you mentioned cassette tapes and uh, I, I can barely remember the eight tracks uh -oh, prior prior to the cassettes and and for those out there that don't know what an eight track is it wasn't a little <laughs> box it was a big box and you had to have a special player and shove it in you had to shove it in that's right you did it was uh it was the the technology of the day uh, oh it was amazing yeah. <laughs> so i think that perhaps uh one of the challenges is getting out of the instantaneous gratification of of two minutes of this and one minute of that um i hear a lot of professors talk about how there's not as much uh, attention span and they have to uh craft their uh classes and i think to myself well one thing we need to do is not craft and change our classes and let people know there's an expectation to actually listen for a few minutes or read for a few minutes and you you know you can't get the um the details out of uh five sentences right 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 yeah, very much so very much so um when you and i were chatting uh a week or two back you gave me two quotes and i thought they were both very interesting I wrote them both down. So uh, let's talk for a minute about quote number one, which is you make more money solving problems than you do selling products. All right. You want to tell people uh, the inside scoop on that? One of the evolutions and revolutions that have occurred when, when I was starting and selling until today was that I, I was I was raised to be kind of a peddler, even though I was with the IBM Corporation. Now this is how I'm going to date myself here, Marty. <laughs> That's okay. But I sold typewriters and copiers with IBM's old office products division. Mm -hmm. I, I, had, I had to sell 20 typewriters a, a month. I had to sell 10 units of dictation equipment. I had to sell five copiers. And all I was doing was, was going into offices saying, you need anything today? What do you need? Press hard. Five, five, five copies, third copy is yours. And it was kind of a peddler mentality. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that when I was more product focused than I was on problem solving, I wasn't as successful. So one of the biggest things that, that I learned, thank goodness, early in my career is that we need to solve problems and the products back that up. And what I learned is that you need to lead with need. You don't lead with product or service, you lead with need. So you do make more money solving problems than you do selling products or services. The key, however, what process are you using to identify the problems? That's where process comes in. And, and I believe with all my heart that process takes pressure off the person. Ah, that was quote number two. <laughs> Those are my favorites. Those are my go-tos. Yeah, what you had said to me, the sales process takes pressure off the salesperson. Yeah. And there you go back to what we were talking about in the very beginning. Yeah. You've got to have a process. Um, 
You want to talk more about process or is there another secret? Oh, be, be glad to. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a process type guy, even though I'm not an analytical person. Mm -hmm. But I believe that when I was trying to use my personality, I wasn't successful. So I've, I've come up in my teachings and my, my books, I've come up with several generations of process. And the process that I use now is called P-R-O-C-E-S-S. Seven stages, you know where you are, you know where the prospect is within a process. Mm -hmm. If you know where you are in the process, you know where the buyer is in the process, two things happen. Number one, it shortens the sales cycle. Number two, it helps eliminate to a degree the frustration. And what I mean by that, if I know where I am in the process, where the customer is in the process, I shouldn't expect the end of the process when I or the customer is in the middle of the process. So it helps me mentally, emotionally balance my impatience, how to manage your impatience. Oh. It also tells the customer that you're on the same side. You're not pulling them through. You're not behind them with their ahead of you. Process allows you to do that. Is that the big P in process? Yes, it is. In other words, just three things. It's yeah, the P is, is, a, is on steroids. The P stands for plan, prepare, and prospect. Yes. Learning a little bit about the person that you're going to talk to. Learn yep. about their business. What do they do? That's right. What, and, and not only just what they do, but, but see if you can discover what their issues are um what's what's going on in the business and you know the good things of course but also the the challenges and the issues that they may be facing industry-wide and that wow. gives you something and there goes my son look i'm in the dark <laughs> um that gives you uh something to sort of break the ice after the typical introduction you, you learn a little bit about what's going on in their world yeah. And the first time I heard this next quote was from a man who wrote a book. I think his name is David Morrow. He wrote a book called Why Men Hate Going to Church. <laughs> well, that's and, interesting. And, and the first chapter was was had this quote. And I'm sure if I were on the manufacturing side of things, the, the manufacturers have heard this type quote. But here's the first time I heard it. What, what Morrow said was, your process is perfectly designed to give you the results you're getting. If you have a, a process that you're using, when you get to the close, if you're always getting the sales objection of price, mm -hmm. that probably should be an indicator that you're not doing something earlier in the call to either overcome the objection, build value, justify your benefits to the, mm -hmm. to the amount you're charging. There's something in the process that you're missing. Well, you're still good. You still have value. You need to adjust your process. Are you moving to it through through it too quickly? Mm -hmm. Did you not confirm? And one of the big things that I teach, Maury, the, the four stage of the process, the C stands for confirm the needs in the buyer's minds. If I'm, if I'm offering you a glass of water and you don't know you're thirsty, I'm, I'll come across as I'm pushing. Mm-hmm. So I want to take my product and put it behind my back until I understand that you have a need and then help you through asking questions for you to admit, maybe there's a better way to drink water. 
maybe there's a better way to, to quench my thirst. Uh -huh. Then I can present my product. Then I can solve your problem. But if I'm going out with no problem, with no problem identification, then I, I seem pushy because I'm going to get to sell my product as quickly as I can. Mm -hmm. I want to back off on that until I finish my discovery stage. Very interesting. Yes, I, uh, uh, I've heard uh, a lot recently about the, you know, the perception of salespeople in general as being pushy. Um, and when I hear that, I think the, the used car salesman on the lot. Sure. Um, because that's what most of them do. And I think that's why um, Carvana, for example, is doing so well. Uh, because they have eliminated that negative pushiness in their process. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody from Carvana hasn't attended uh, a training session to learn a little bit more about process. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, so we're eliminating frustration. That's a, uh, that's a key too, because um, frustration is something that everyone experiences. And, and I think in a way, uh, frustration is something that a lot of folks bring to the conversation when they know they're going to meet with a salesperson. Yeah. You know, frustration on the other, the client side, because they have a also preconceived notion of what a sales call is going to be like in their world. Right. And, and W. Clement Stone many years ago said that oftentimes a sale rest on the attitude of the salesperson, not the attitude of the buyer, mm -hmm. which means we can talk our way out of the sale, driving mm -hmm. to the appointment before we pick up the phone. So again, a, a cliche that I, that I use, if you're selling yourself, you better believe in the product. Right. You right. The confidence in yourself and in your solutions that I'm good at identifying so that I can find out this need, this challenge, and then perhaps I can provide you a vehicle to meet it. But if I don't have the confidence in my questioning skills or in a process, then I can call on everybody in the same manner, as opposed to, as we kind of throw in different pitches to different batters, communicating differently to different people. A right. process allows you to do that. Right. Yes. You've got to understand that the, the buyer is unique yep. and, you, and not everyone is going to resonate to the same uh, technique. Right. Uh, so, so that's really where that research has to come in, that, mm -hmm. that doing a little breeding and a little discovery. And I think that uh, salespeople in today's world have a big advantage on that to an extent because they can do their research easily, yeah. um, looking up the company's website, finding out a little bit about the person, if they're on LinkedIn, learning a little bit about them, you know, where are they from? What have they been doing? But then again, I hear that that also can be flipped to the client uh, who has a lot more opportunity to learn about the company and the product before anyone ever contacts them. And I hear that's a, a big challenge for a lot of salespeople. They don't know uh, what is the buyer's preconceived notion because of what they have learned. Yeah. And so how, how would you, how do you approach a a situation where you you pretty much know the buyer has learned a lot about the company and maybe all of it's not really great. There's nothing wrong with asking a question. Somewhere early in the conversation, Mr. Prospect, how much do you know about my company? 
Mm-hmm. And with all the available resources, as you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. they can learn a great deal. That's one of the biggest changes I've seen. Back in the old days, salespeople were bringing information to the client. Now the client can have information long before they meet a salesperson. They can be into the sales cycle long before the salesperson is introduced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a big change for the, the gray beards like myself. <laughs> we were the information distributors. We're not anymore. Right. One of the things we have to do, and here comes another quote. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, but you you should establish value before you quote a price. Oh yeah. Now, the problem is, is that in some industries, such as the car business, that's posted on the on the windshield, or that price is posted on the sticker on on one of the the windows. Mm -hmm. Now the the other side of the other side of that is that hopefully your social media presence as a salesperson, your LinkedIn, your Facebook, mm -hmm. whatever else you use is very positive and very professional because people now have access to you as a salesperson, much like you said, not wow. just your company, but they can go on and see if you're active or how active you are, what you post, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what your Facebook looks like. Be careful, be very careful. It's, yeah. it's there forever. You know, we talk to students about that when we're uh, when we're working with uh, the assessment that we offer, and we tell students, you know, to to be very careful. Um, people think just because they hit delete, it goes away, but it's it's there, <laughs> and the smart person can find it. So yeah, you do have to have a, a presence of mind that uh, business carries over into personal sure. life. Um, that's, that's an important point too. Yeah. The wow. camera's always on the, the camera's always on you, yeah. whether yeah. you see it or not. That's people, so people, true. You, you can be revealed pretty quickly this day and age. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Another great point. Yeah. So I just wrote down that, that other quote, establish value before you discuss price. Um, I think that's also a challenge with a lot of the the younger the new salespeople and maybe they're not younger in age but they're younger in experience as well yeah. Yeah. um because price is one of those things that a lot of people push um and you have to sell for value establish that value yeah. before you get to that price i'm going to write that one down too yeah so, so one of the things i like to ask early in a workshop and we can do that now even though you don't have to write it down if, if the viewership would just mentally make a t-bar on the, on the left column list three things that you sell and most people list i sell myself i sell my company i sell our products and services on the right hand column what three things of all the three of all the things your customers want list three things they want well they want roi they want peace of mind they want security they want to know they made the right decision they want the boss off their back <laughs> but then i say if you've done it either mentally or physically you've written it down look at your list mm -hmm. what's the problem well your list don't match so as, as a financial advisor, as an insurance agent, if you're selling insurance and protection, I already have insurance and protection. I, I've, I've got to have insurance for my business, my company, my family, my health. Mm -hmm. So I don't want any more insurance. Now, if you sold a relationship with your agent, if you sold peace of mind, if you sold 
the fact that I, my wife and I have less conversations about my life insurance should something happen to me, then that gives me the peace of mind. I will listen to you. But if all you're saying is, hey, I'm a life insurance guy, I'm a property and casualty guy, I've got life insurance, I got property, my, my house is protected, I'm, by law, I have to have insurance on my vehicles. Right. That's not a turn on, that's not going to get, that, that's not a problem. The problem is I'm not satisfied. The problem is I don't understand. The problem is I'm not sure I've got the best coverage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or so, enough. <laughs> if you, yeah. So on the one side is the value. The other side, your that left side is functionality or product. Mm -hmm. And again, this is where I came up with lead with need. You sell the value so you don't have to defend your price. Fascinating. Great, great, great advice. Um, Okay, back to some skills. Any other skills you can think of that that folks really need to be aware of? Uh, yeah, I'll, what... I'll talk about a big skill that we we run from. In 1974, oh, back a few few. I was that was that was the last millennial, last century. <laughs> I was struggling as a salesperson. Now that doesn't mean I didn't sell a lot. I did. I, I sold my furniture and I sold my car. But I was struggling, and one of my buddies said, come with, this, come with me to join a Toastmasters club. So I joined Toastmasters, and what I found out was that I can know the product as well as, as, well as anybody. But unless I can communicate to convey the value in a professional, poised manner, I'm going to be beaten more than I am going to win. Mm -hmm. One of the great skills, and, and, and this is very important to me, Toastmasters which is an international organization, uh -huh. go to toastmasters.org, fill in your zip code. People that are viewing this, there's clubs all around you. That gave me the confidence and the competency to stand in front of a group of people, whether it be a committee, whether it be seated in front of one person, but allowed me to speak with the competency and the confidence and soon the comfort, but they wasn't comfortable at first, so that I could convey my message and separate myself from competition. And as much as I love IBM, that single course, taking a Toastmasters, joining a Toastmasters club, did more for my self-confidence than anything I'd done with IBM. And then you can see out behind me, the Ziegler Corporation, eight years into my sales career, I met a guy named Zig Ziegler through his books and cassette tapes. And that was the second thing that really changed my sales direction. Mm -hmm. so one is invest in yourself being able to present yourself thinking on your feet while you're seated at a conference table, you need that ability because anybody can make a presentation and be dynamite when they start answering, asking questions and you start answering those questions. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the challenge comes. Yeah. That's what the challenge is. Mm -hmm. So presentation skills, communication skills, vital. Don't overlook the importance of that. And that goes back to investing in yourself, which is what we talked about a few minutes ago. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it does. Yes, yeah. I really do. Yeah. Well, you know, this has been fascinating. Um, I've actually lost track of time. So <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how important it is for um, folks like you to convey uh, the knowledge that you've gained from your experience at IBM. Uh, gosh knows with Zig Ziglar, I, you know, you see people quote Zig all the time. And uh, I know that he really did a lot to change the way the world sees sales. 
which is what we're trying to do and, um, by having folks like you uh, yeah. just having a conversation and a chat about yeah. things that are they're out there and and sometimes they're so obvious we think oh my gosh I, you know but we don't think about them to the point like you said investing in yourself asking and listening all those things that are so important in in sales right and and a big thing is what what you're doing is creating an environment where people will be able to accept the fact that of all the, the self-help professions, of all the helping professions, selling ranks with the best of them. Mm -hmm. Maybe not to the point of minister or teacher or counselor, but I believe what salespeople do, we're all in the transportation business. You are, I am, we're all in the transportation mm -hmm. business, which means we're taking people, we're taking people from where they are to where they want to be. Whether ah. that be selling them a home, whether that be selling software, that be servicing their financial needs, where they are to where they want to be. And selling is a great way to spend eight hours a day doing that. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that's great. I, I love how you put that into a transportation context. That's that's really great. Yeah. And I hope a lot of folks will uh, check out this particular interview. Uh, some great advice. I, I love love the way Brian speaks directly to you all out there. Um, and he is just, uh, he's really one of our icons in, <laughs> in the world of, of sales and sales training. And, and uh, Brian, I thank you for being here today. I, uh, I hope that a lot of folks will take a look at this and, 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 and learn a little bit about spending time on yourself, investing in yourself, um, taking some of these ideas for skills to develop your talents and, and putting them to good use. Yes, I appreciate it. You, you never graduate from selling. We're all, I'm still learning. Oh, that's great, Brian. Hey, listen, thank you so much. And um, I hope we talk again soon. Thank you, Marty. All righty. Bye.